and being too nice get you killed. <laughs> Obsession, murder, and involuntary plastic surgery. All on this week's Chilled and Thrilled. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> Senator. Hey, Janitor. Something, something. Oh, brother, you're never fully dressed without a smile. <laughs> <laughs> you're never fully dressed without uh, a smile. You're never fully dressed. Uh, uh, you're never, never fully, fully dressed. dressed. Uh. <laughs> okay, so that was our little rendition of Annie. Thank you. Thank you. We're here all week. Actually, we're here all month and all the rest of 2020, probably, because of COVID. Woohoo! So happy. Well, I'm Brittany. That's hey. my husband, Daniel. Hey, guys. What's hey, up? Hey, guys. How's it been? That's Brittany's voice for her snake tango, by the way. Yes, I have a beautiful banana ball python. <laughs> <laughs> I have a beautiful banana. <laughs> Get out okay. Named Tango. Oh, by the way, he's a snake. <laughs> remember what morphe was i believe it's called a banana morph but he's yeah so that's my voice that's tango i said morpheus morph he is space so anyway welcome everybody this is chilled and thrilled so i guess we're starting we are starting (laughs) we have already started catch up oh mustard oh my god well anyway um this is a true crime comedy podcast with us as your host we're going to bring you crazy stories each week, and uh, before we jump into our first story, we definitely wanted to give a shout out to our new listeners, and that we just hit the 150 download milestone. So, yay! Thank you, everybody. Yes. That Thank was... you, everybody. We were so excited, like, after 10. Yes, and was that 25, was... 25, and then... 10 was on my dream board, and I posted a little thing on there. Yay, we met our goal! And now, I mean, just a few short weeks later, it's 150, and I don't know, it's just... If you haven't done a dream board, do a dream board, because they're really freaking cool to see your dreams on paper, and then you do it, and then it happens, and it's real, and it's right there. And Motivating to go after the next thing, isn't it? Absolutely. So thank you to all of our new listeners. Um, we got some new folks in Canada now listening. Ooh. So that makes six countries. Thanks for listening, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Thank y'all. And uh, anything else you want to add into that, Daniel? Thanks for everybody that's been interacting with us on Instagram. Yep. The comments on there. And if you've left a review, thank you very much. We appreciate all of that interaction and input and feedback and suggestions. So Thank y'all very much for every little bit of that. And if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, you can do that at Chilled and Thrilled Podcast. Also at Chilled and Thrilled Podcast for Facebook as well. And our website, childandthrilled.com. And if you need to send us an email, childandthrilledpodcast at gmail.com. That's the one. (laughs) 
You guys, I'm so excited to tell you about Instacart, the easiest and quickest way to get everything on your shopping list without ever leaving your home. Instacart connects you with personal shoppers in your area to hand select items on your list. We recently used Instacart for the first time and the experience could not have been easier. Throughout the entire process, we were kept informed on the progress of our order through the Instacart app, and were even able to message our personal shopper during the shopping. It was nuts. This was super helpful since some of our items were actually out of stock at the time, and our shopper was like, hey, do you want to get a substitute for this, or would you like to refund this item? Could not have been easier. Our no-contact delivery also arrived super fast, and everything was thoughtfully packaged and just plain perfect. You can use our link in the show notes right now to get started with Instacart and get free delivery on your first order over $35. You'll be able to see which stores have partnered with Instacart in your area and see the highlighted deals that can save you extra money. Pair with your personal shopper today to get the items you love from your favorite stores with Instacart. Do it now! Thank you, Arnold. So what I have for y'all today is the murder of Ryan Poston. Have you ever heard of Ryan Poston before? It doesn't come to mind. Well, somebody else that comes up, you might have heard of. This story was in the news, and there were 20, 20, 48 hours of sort of things on it a few years back. So we'll see if any of the other names that come up are familiar. But Ryan was born in 1982, December 30th, 1982, he was born into a pretty well-connected, well-known family in Kentucky, and he was raised by his mom, Lisa, and her second husband, Peter Carters, after his parents divorced. And he fit in with his new family well, though. He sort of grew to become the big, protective older brother of his three stepsisters, but at the same time, he had his dad, and his dad he had, his dad had a bunch of siblings, so he had a bunch of extended family close by. And a cool thing that happened is those two families actually sort of melded together and became one sort of larger extended family group to the point where they would do birthdays and holidays together, and they still do to this day. But because of that, they were so close. His father had a really tough time during his high school years when Ryan ended up moving away with their family to the Philippines and to Europe. But he said, you know, I knew it's for the best, so he supported. Actually, I have a picture of Ryan with his dad here. For you to see. Yeah. They were real close. Kind of looks like you, your your younger pictures. (laughs) Well, after high school, Ryan was a triple major at Indiana University, and he completed his law degree at Northern Kentucky University, and then he started practicing law in Cincinnati, Ohio. Around what time is this? This was in the 2000s. Okay. And... But during all that time, he still remained close to both his fathers, often coming to them for advice on life, on work, on love. Didn't always listen, but he would still, they would still get together and talk a bunch. And especially when it came to a certain woman he was dating, he didn't always listen to their advice. So in 2011, when he was 28 years old, he met then 19-year-old Shana Hubers on Facebook through one of his step cousins, and they became dude. They <laughs> they, they, they doo doo. <laughs> they began dating soon after that. <laughs> Maybe that was prophetic. Uh, oh. Hubers, she was working on a master's degree in school counseling after graduating 
cum laude from the University of Kentucky with a degree in psychology. And here's a picture of them together. Oh, wow. She's beautiful. So they're a smart-looking couple. Yeah. And he's a handsome guy. He's giving sort of a smolder in that picture there, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Uh, like Brave Stone smolder. So just like in the picture, to anyone who didn't know them that well, they might have seemed like the perfect couple. Yeah. He was a successful young lawyer. She was a bright, accomplished student. But to say that the relationship was turbulent might have been an understatement. Oh, no. Yeah, they dated on and off for a period of around 18 months. Okay. But they lived 80 miles apart. Long-distance relationships. Yeah. And that proved difficult. And Ryan, at that time, he just wasn't wanting to commit to a serious relationship with Shayna. There would be times when Ryan would try to break it off, but then only to give in to her extreme emotional outbursts. In a text message in one point to one of her friends, she wrote, quote, He says he's only with me because I make him feel so awful about it when I cry. Wait, back up. He's only with me because... He, he says he's only with me because I make him feel so awful about it when I cry. Sort of a manipulative thing there. Okay. It sounds like you're saying she said he's with her because she makes him feel awful, but you're saying he won't leave because she makes it so awful that right. he stays. He tries to okay. break up with her. She throws a fit and cries and does all this stuff. Sure. And then he's like, okay, fine. Just stop it. Okay. So anytime Poston would try to end the relationship, Shana would just keep showing up at his condo uninvited. Refusing to leave, pursuing him obsessively in text messages and social media. Ryan even had to physically remove her from his home at least one time, placing her in the hallway. <laughs> Sorry, just picture someone just like picking yeah. someone up, <laughs> exactly. open the door, put him out there, stay. Um, <laughs> like the dog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like uh, on the Flintstones. Yeah, Dino. Put him outside and then yeah. he, he's outside and they close the door. Well, well my- Yes. So here's here's how bad it got. One night, Ryan showed up at his dad's place asking if he could stay the night because Shayna Hubers had showed up at his place and refused to leave. Oh so he's gosh. like, just fine. You stay. I'll go. Jeez. And his dad recalled hearing Ryan's phone going off all night with messages. Like the entire night, incessantly. Ding, ding, ding. Can you imagine all night? Honey, baby girl, get, get, the, get, the, get a clue. Okay? Get a clue, Magoo. The man don't want you. Move yeah. on. And they said Ryan was didn't want the confrontation, that sort of a thing. And, of course, she was manipulating him by making him feel so bad every time. And just maybe she figured, you know what? No, um, I'm in this relationship, too. And you can't just unilaterally end it. So I'm going to keep showing up and just pretend we're still together, basically. Move on. Let it go. Well, Ryan may have... Finally been ready to heed his dad, Jay's advice. Which was? He said, Peter, that's his other dad, his stepdad. Peter and I told him over and over, quote, this girl needs to go, but be nice. Mm -hmm. Always be respectful. Always be nice because it speaks to who you are as a man. Yes. So it was on October 12th of 2012 when he may have decided to tell Hubers the relationship was done, like really done. Poston actually had a date with somebody else for that night. 
Yeah, that's not a good way to do it. I'm just going <laughs> to stop right there. Hey, I'm going to break off with you, and I'm going to this date over here. Yeah. Because that's... Psycho Chick's going to know. Psycho Chick knows where you're going, who you're going with. She's stalking you. Yeah. You don't break off with Psycho Chick and then go date some other chick. You just don't do it. Yeah, he, he had a date planned with Miss Ohio USA 2012. Damn, Audrey. Burn. Audrey Bolte. Burn. And like I said, he was afraid to tell Shane about it for fear of inciting more conflict. No shit, Sherlock. Yes. Bolte said she was looking forward to meeting Poston for drinks at 9.30 that night, but he never showed. I'm getting feelings. Yeah, well, let's just see what happens. Go ahead. Okay. But first, we need to rewind a little bit. All right. Rewind. Back in time, about 18 hours. So earlier, like early that morning... Shanna Huber's mother, Sharon, received a call from her daughter in the middle of the night. Sharon said, quote, she was sick. She was in pain. There was fear in her voice. This worried her enough that she hopped in the car, made a two-hour drive at 4 a.m. to go up to Ryan's condominium where her daughter had stayed that night. So, yes, you can sort of, it's sort of an odd Dynamic there. Mm-hmm. She said Ryan was there when she got there, but he stayed in his room the whole time. And apparently the two of them had been arguing the previous night about having, after having dinner with his family. So maybe he just got tired of kicking her out and he was just like, fine, stay. I don't know if she was still close with his family. I mean, this is just weird. If it was so bad that you were needing to end it, but yet... She's going and having dinner with your family. She's staying at your place. But the next day, you're like, all right, let's just be done. Oh, by the way, I'm going out with this beauty pageant person. So, Mm. yeah. But Sharon was so worried about Shana's health, the way she was acting. She was thinking maybe she was like having a stroke or something. But Shana wouldn't go to the emergency room. They just rested the remainder of that morning And then they went out and they went shopping and went to eat and stuff. Mother-daughter day. That evening, her mom Sharon was going to visit some family. But first, she bought her daughter some aspirin. She filled up her gas tank. And she made Shana to promise her if she started feeling bad, she would go to the emergency room. And Shana was going to be going to stay the night with one of her friends somewhere. Okay. Well, about 8.50 p.m. that night, she got another call from her daughter. This time in a panic. Sharon said, quote, she was hysterical, terrified. She was in shock. She was beside herself. She was a mess. So she told her daughter to call 911 and tell them exactly where you are and exactly what happened and call me back. So three minutes later, Shana Hubers called 911. In a moment, we're going to play parts of the recording for that call. So just a heads up if that's something that you don't want to hear. It's, you know, it's pretty intense. Trigger warning. Sure, yeah. But when we play, see if you can pick out some important things that she says when she's talking to the dispatcher, though. Kim Kelly 911. Ma'am, I killed my boyfriend in self defense. What did you kill him with? A gun, a loaded gun in the house. Tell me where the gun is right now. The gun is in the house. I laid it on the bookshelf. Where are you? Okay, are you sure that he is dead? He's dead, ma'am. He's completely dead. Okay. And how long ago?
him. a lot of tone shifts and who's to say how someone can actually react or would react in that situation. But there just was something very inauthentic that that's how I felt when I heard it. It was like there was extreme sobbing and then it was just kind of, oh, let me tell you this story. And then, oh, yeah, I've got to be crying again. And it was just kind of it just felt off. Yeah. And. There were a few things that stuck out to me, and I don't know if, if you picked up on these or if they seemed odd to you at the time. First off, she said she shot him 10 or 15 minutes and ago and then called 911. She called right. her mom first. Right. And again, who knows how anyone would react in that situation. Sure. You can't even begin to place yourself unless you've been right there in their shoes. But she waited 10 or 15 minutes. And first she talks about how she he was throwing him throwing her around, mm-hmm. but then I'm so scared of being thrown around, but let me come back in here and get my stuff. Right. right. And then he picked up the gun. She got it out of his hands and then shot him. Yeah. That, that was a little bit, but one of the biggest things that struck me is she was saying, I shot him, but then he was twitching and making sounds. So I wanted to make sure he was dead. So I shot him some more to make sure he was dead. 
she's yeah. admitting to that here. And even the dispatcher is like, really? You sh- you Instead of calling 911, you shot him well, some what more? What I heard her say was he was going to die anyway. So I didn't want him to twitch. She didn't want to see him twitch is more like it. That's mm-hmm. the that's the way I got it anyway. Okay. So that was that. That was the 911 call. The officers arrived. She, of course, turned herself in there at the scene. And they took her to the station, and she was placed in an interrogation room to wait to be questioned, right? Sure. So here's where it gets even more interesting. She was read her rights. She asked for, exactly. She knew her rights. She asked for a lawyer, but she did not exercise her right to remain silent. She talked. So let's listen to a couple other things here and, and uh, talk about it after that. He was screaming and he, was, he had his hand on the table and he wasn't completely standing up. He was like this. He was sitting, he was announced at when I shot him. He went like this. Literally. That's when I knew he was dead. Or close to it mm-hmm. and twitching. And that's, and I couldn't, I let him, I still, even though the hurt. I still, anatomy loved him, but I couldn't stand to watch him twitch. I knew he was going to die or have a completely deformed face. He's very vain. One of our last conversations we had that was good was that he wants my best friend who's a dentist to do his veneers and wants to get a nose job. Just that kind of person. And I shot him right here. I gave him his nose job. He wanted, I broke it. Wow. What? I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words at that. My God in heaven. Yeah. So, first thing, if you go watch the video, she's sort of miming out to the officer, playing out, saying he was doing this, and and that already doesn't match what she was saying on the nine one one call. She was saying that he had a gun and she grabbed it from him and shot him. But there, she's saying that he was sort of half sitting half standing, and that's when she shot him, and she said his head went down and he slumped over. She said it was exactly like that. No, she didn't shoot him. She gave him a nose job, honey. Oh, yes. The nose job he always wanted. Ha, 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 ha. Yes. But I still loved him. Yes. And she made the call that, well, he wouldn't want to have a deformed face because he was vain. So I went and go ahead and did him a favor and shot him to make sure he died so he didn't have to live with a deformed face. So here's one more of her talking in the interrogation room. And you know, I wasn't doing anything that was mean. I was like begging him to, to stay in the relationship and be with me because I knew that we weren't really loving each other, you know, right? It told me that he loved me and wanted to be with me. And I guess somewhere along the way, that grew to hate. He was screaming how much he hated me. I don't know. Anyone will ever want to marry me if they know that I killed a boyfriend and felt. <laughs> Not funny, but. She said in that one, first off, I don't know if anyone will ever want to marry me if they know that I killed a boyfriend in self defense. And laughed. Chuckle, chuckle. Huh? Oh, wait, that's not funny. There are some other things in, not in these videos that she said. But just to, to continue painting the picture of what she was 
saying with people in there talking to officers across the way. Uh, we talked about the nose job. In fact, the, the police picked up on that nose job comment that she made. And in the, the reports on that they did on the trial, they called her the nose job killer. That's a, of all the names out there. That's a pretty lame one. Yeah. But so many people have the same reaction you did to that. Like what just I'm, happened? Yeah, exactly. She said, she asked, if you go to jail, are you allowed to keep your phone? Can you? <laughs> sure, honey. Yeah. yeah. yeah you can, can you shower there or do you just get really dirty? I have to shower in front of people. Oh, shit. She said, I have two papers I'll do on Monday that I haven't even. Uh, no, you don't, bitch. Doesn't matter now. Now, this is. <laughs> listen to this. A, de- a detective that he was interviewed for a 48 hour story on this case. She said that she sat and talked for over two hours and 40 minutes. Nobody asked her a single question. Ever. That whole time. She just kept talking and talking and talking, whether or not there was anyone in the room to talk to. Even more interesting was what it looked like and sounded like when there wasn't anyone in the room. Oh, do you have a recording of that? Do I? Do you? showing our daughter how to do ballet that's what she's doing yeah that's what she's doing she's twirling around and looking like she's doing different fucked up things and and no one's in the room she's so proud of herself i did it i did it i can't believe i did did it i can't believe i did it like i finally got up the the the, the gumption to finally shoot him in the face and give him that nose job that he wanted god and and when I was watching it, I couldn't help but think of Jodi Arias, who mm-hmm. I'm I'm 99% sure she also was singing Amazing Grace. 
Really? Yes. Um, now, when was that one? Oh, that's fairly gosh. recent, right? No, that's like 2011, 2012. Okay. Around this time, I think. I, I It's in that ballpark. I All don't right. know if it's a little before that. Or Help us out in the comments, would you? Well, I just have to look it up. So, I don't know. But, but anyway, it was yeah. around the same time. Similar circumstances. She's killing him. And it, oh, creepy. Yeah, there were those kills. those... Those comparisons made between the two of them. Mm -hmm. There's one other thing she said that that wasn't, I don't think this recording caught it. One of the times that nobody was in there, she said to herself, I'm so good at acting. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, this girl graduated with honors. She was studying for her master's degree. But she must have literally driven herself mad with obsession and jealousy by this point to not even have the wherewithal to think, hmm, there might be some cameras watching me. People I think she knew. looking at me. She's not an idiot. I think Maybe she's Maybe she was trying to show like she didn't have a guilty conscience. Like I did in self-defense. I'm so sad that it happened, but you know, well, nar- I'm not. Narcissistic people can't stop talking about themselves. They're charismatic. They're not dumb. They're smart. So I, I don't know. A lot of this stuff doesn't surprise me of her characteristics and her traits but again working theories i want to hear more of the story well it to me it seems to the point like she just had it all planned out in her head how it's going to go she was going to kill him she's going to claim self-defense and this is all going swimmingly up to this point right of course she's been able to tell her story to as many people as would listen nobody even even i remember nobody asked her any questions in that interrogation she just started talking she just went in there one point, if you watch the videos, there's somebody who's just in there sort of watching her. And she's like, will you talk to me? Can I have somebody to talk to? <laughs> like, it was just killing her that she couldn't be talking about herself at that point. It was driving her crazy just sitting there not talking. Right. Um, that was the guy that just, like, went in to give her something to drink. <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I need to go do, like, some actual police work. Exactly. Well, this whole thing didn't exactly go how she'd hoped. You think? She was arrested. She was charged with murder. And she was held on a bond set at $5 million. If you want to cue the Austin Power music and editing there. In her bond hearing, police told the court that she had admitted to trying to escape jail. And the prosecutor also said Hubers told her mother that she would run away if she was granted bond. Probably thought nobody was listening that time, too. But, like, it would have been had, like, you know, talking to her mom on the phone through the glass, right? Or just, I mean, any time that there's a phone call from anyone, yeah. they record it. So, anyway, that was, it was set at $5 million. She pled not guilty. And her trial began on April 13th of 2015. And she had been in the county jail this whole time because she couldn't afford the bail. So, in the trial, the the prosecution's case was based on a motive that Poston wanted to permanently end the relationship, while the defense was arguing that the shooting was in self-defense and it was justified. Some interesting things came out in the trial, though. First, they wanted to demonstrate how obsessed Hubers was with Poston. In addition to showing a bunch of specific messages They tallied up all the messages between the pair over the 18 months they knew each other. And as you might be able to guess, a large majority of them were from Shana. 
There are over 10,000 text messages, 20,000 Facebook interactions, and thousands of images sent. Over how many? 18 months. 18 months. Good Lord. For every one text message that Poston sent to Huber's during the period where they were broken up, she sent about 100. God. So she would text, 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 and he would say, stop texting me. And then when she would text them another hundred times, just for example, <laughs> that's about how that will go. Change when, your number. Yeah, there was. Man, yeah. block that contact. It, there was, yeah, there were some things that I think he could have done differently. Not to say that any of this is his fault that he got no, killed. but. But he could have handled it a little bit differently, I believe. Restraining order. Yeah, seriously, like trespassing. Um, harassment. Yes, harassment. She would send him harassing and insulting messages when she was mad at him, sometimes from other people's phones, numbers he didn't know that or didn't recognize. She would say things like, quote, lose the beer gut and get better at your job or disparaging his ability to do his job as a lawyer or about his sexual performance. One text from Hubers to a friend of hers in October 2012 read, quote, when I go to the shooting range with Ryan tonight, I want to turn around and shoot him Kill him and play like it's an accident, end quote. <laughs> yes. Like she was mad at him. She was going someplace with him. But her love had turned to hate, like she said. So much that she was so mad that she just, oh, I'll just, quote unquote, joke about killing him and, and making him an accident. And put that in a text to my friend. Yes, some of her lies began to unravel in the trial as well. Such as when, just an example, Shana's mother, Sharon, testified at one point she'd put money into her daughter's bank account for a trip to Indiana, only to learn later that her daughter was actually in Hawaii. Mm. Yeah. Text messages also showed her lying to Ryan about her health. Remember that day that, that before all that happened, her mom would come up. Well, she sounded bad. Yeah. Hubers told Poston that she was sick with a racing heart. She said her mother came and they went. They're going to go to the hospital. They didn't go to the hospital. They went shopping. She told him that a doctor was putting her on medication for her heart. She did go out with her mother. They went to eat and they went shopping. During that time, while they were going out and going shopping, her internet searches on her phone were about symptoms for hypertension and what medications are prescribed for left ventricular hypertrophy, hypertrophy, whatever you want to say there. A thickening of the heart muscle. She didn't go to the doctor. She just was trying to manipulate him more to think, sure. make him feel bad. I think this is probably a last ditch sympathy, a play for sympathy to make him feel guilty. Right? Why yeah. else would she lie about, right. oh, I'm going to go. I think probably that whole thing about her, he was like, okay, it's done. And she's like, I'm going to call my mom panicked because he, she was so fixated on him. Mm-hmm. In that idea of their relationship. Mm-hmm. And so she might have had some physical symptoms from that. I'm way over my head here. This is just theorizing, right? I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on TV. But then she's like, I want to go to the hospital. They prescribe me this medicine. Really, they're just going shopping. Anyway, so eventually her claims of self-defense fell apart under scrutiny because the evidence just wasn't there to support them. She testified that Poston had been picking her up by the head and throwing her all over the house. 
but the signs of struggle in the condo and on her body just weren't there. She had like one bruise on her arm or something. If he'd been picking her up or throwing her all over the place, she'd have cuts, bruises. She'd have lacerations and contusions, fancy words. There'd be evidence. Yes. And there's pictures you can see of the crime scene. I mean, the, the table he was sitting at was messy with stuff sitting all over it, but there wasn't a bunch of furniture knocked over and things all over the floor. Okay. So Shana said that after she shot him, he was twitching and making odd animal-like noises. She didn't want to watch him die or want him to suffer. She didn't want to have, like, before she didn't want to have, have to have to live as vain as he was with a deformed face. So she kept shooting until she, quote, finished him off until she was sure he was dead. Ryan was shot a total of six times, the final shot being in the head. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to imagine. I've tried to imagine what it must have been like for him. He's finally, it's like, I gotta, I gotta do this. You've been putting it off and putting it off. Lord knows what life has been like those past 18 months. We talked about, you know, he could have done some things differently himself, but um, it's like trying to move on, new chapter in my life, and now she's shooting me in the face. So we had people testifying for the prosecution, including Poston's family members, but one particular person's testimony was really telling, which is her former cellmate, Cecily Miller. According to Miller, Hubert's actually bragged about killing her boyfriend saying that she laughed, quote, about shooting him in the face and giving him the nose job he always wanted. She bragged about it. No way it even gets any better. Miller also said that Hubers discussed her legal strategy with her cellmate. She was going to plead insanity, but she was too smart because she had the IQ of Einstein. So she was going to plead battered wife syndrome. That's, yeah, that's what she told her cellmate. Hubers did not take the stand in her own defense, but relied on her police interrogation tape in which she maintained the killing was in self-defense. So they're going to rely on that tape that we, we just watched as their evidence. Like, uh, obviously a genius level move that none of us simpletons would have ever dreamed up in a thousand years. Hmm. Well, can you guess what the result of the trial was? Guilty. Yeah. It took a jury of about uh, five hours to deliberate and find Shana Huber's guilty of murder on April 23rd of 2015. First degree murder? I don't know the degree to which of the murder she was convicted. Okay. It just moida. I believe first degree is you have to have um, premeditation or you have to, yeah, I think it has to be like premeditated. I'm I thought not that lawyer. was murder, period. Otherwise, it would be manslaughter. Second degree murder. We'll have to look into I don't that. Know. I'm sure it, cha- it varies from state to state as well, would be okay. my guess. She was given the jury's recommended sentence of 40 years, eligible for parole after 34 of those years. As expected, they appealed the conviction on the basis that one of the jurors had withheld a felony conviction and she got approved for a new trial. She got a new lawyer from out of state and the new lawyer got an additional six months to prepare. So our second trial wasn't going to start until August 8th of 2018. That's almost six years from when this happened. I know these things drag out over time. Right. This is also kind of interesting. While awaiting her new trial, Hubers met an inmate that went by the name Unique Taylor. Unique was born Richard McBee Jr. 
And the 41-year-old McBee was locked up under a robbery charge and had been a persistent felony offender. In May of 2018, Shana Humbers petitioned for a marriage license so that she could marry Unique Taylor. And on June 7th, 2018, they were married in a quick two-minute ceremony in adjacent cells where they could hear each other but not, like, even touch each other. And so, they, wait, hold on. This jail is men and women? Well, Richard is transgender and identifies as a woman named Unique. So I guess that's why his story is different. He was pushed around from jail to jail. She, excuse me, was pushed around from jail to jail. Okay. Here's a picture of, of Richard next to a picture of Unique. Okay. Okay. Well, I just, well, I didn't, I didn't catch the part that he was transgender and. Okay. Yeah. That, so. I had that question too, but. You know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how that works with jails. I so, don't either. Okay. But uh, they had the new trial. Mm-hmm. And in the retrial, again, the defense was trying to convince the jury that Ryan Poston had been abusive. There had been a history of abuse. They said he was emotionally unstable. He was being affected by problems with work that resulted in a lawsuit. And they said that he was on anti-anxiety drugs and amphetamines. And that mixture that day could have resulted in violent behavior. These family members, Ryan's family members, took the stand in the retrial. His dad was first. His dad said his kindness, his kindness got him killed. She took advantage of his kindness. And he was talking about how it's been. It's been hard to get out of bed. This woman has stolen my entire life. She has stolen my will to live. She has desolated it. Aww. Yeah. In another photo from the trial, you can see one of his sister's holding a teddy bear made from one of his shirts. Oh. And it plays a recording of a voicemail they had left for him. And she Stop. said, this oh is all I have left of him, a gosh. voicemail. Gosh. Oh, my There's, heart was just ripped out. That yeah, is... I can't even, I can't imagine. Oh, gosh. And to have it drug out all this time. Oh, yeah. And have to go to court again and talk about it again. Um, but this time, the result was different in the trial. Was she acquitted? Nope. She was convicted again, but this time the jury recommended a life sentence instead of 40 years. Yay! So imagine you get 40 years, you appeal, think I'm going to get a new trial. This time you get life. (laughs) This this reminds me of that meme with that guy in the car. And it's like when you're listening to true crime on the on a show or something and they say and she left her fingerprints at the scene and the, the <laughs> caption is you dumb bitch <laughs> that's what i just picture with all of this it's just <laughs> i'm not up to speed on all of my true crime memes but i oh can i can gosh. almost picture that one it's just yeah he's just this guy's driving in his car eating a burger or something and or holding a drink and he's like you dumb bitch <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's just that's the meme i see <laughs> Go ahead. Well, she she got so she got life on her second one. She does have the possibility of parole, though. She'll have to serve 17 years before she can be considered for parole. So that'll be in 2032. So hold on. She gets life and the first time that she can parole is 17 years. But if I remember correctly, when she had the 40 year thing, she wasn't going to be able to do parole until 34 years. That's a huge I don't know how that works. There, so. I don't know if the eligibility for parole is part of the jury's recommendation in both cases. That 
Did that y'all hear that? That was dog our just, dog snoring. <sighs> she wasn't even asleep. She was just, she was like a big sigh, but sometimes when she gets a big breath and sighs, she makes this big snorting sound. Oh, <laughs> Sadie. She's like, I'm trying to sleep over here. We all keep it down. No, we won't. So what happened? So that'll be 2032. Uh, if you're wondering what happened to Unique, just in case, or Unique, she just couldn't stay out of trouble, bless her little heart. Uh, she was out of prison, living in a motel, but then she was picked up again on unrelated warrants in another state. And in March of 2019, a judge granted Shana a divorce on the grounds that her life sentence had made the marriage irretrievable. So she got convicted and her marriage ended. She's given a few interviews over the years. And like I said at the beginning, the story's been covered Widely on 2020, 48 hours, snapped, it takes a killer. So if you want to learn more or hear her interviews and things like that, there's a bunch of places you can go if you just do a search for Shanna Hubers or Ryan Poston. Shanna Hubers, there's more coverage of it just because of just such an odd case and her odd behavior, sort of like Jody Arias. So after the sentencing, the Ryan's family gathered outside the courtroom and they gave a statement and they said, um, for six years, we've been living through this. It's been very difficult. It puts your entire life on hold. Jay Poston, Ryan Poster's father, said that. He said, our number one goal was justice for Ryan. We got it today. Good. So that's the story. That's fucked up. Yeah. Do you think there's any truth to Ryan having been ab- abusive? You never know what's going on behind closed doors. And if if he did, I would guess, based on people talking about his character and all those things, that because he was pretty nice and he didn't like confrontation, any kind of, if anything ever got physical, it was probably him just trying to get her off of him. Away from me, just yeah, be gone. Just, you know, just stop or, hey, you're not leaving my house. Or Let me kind of push you out of the door she's here. yelling but, and trying to hit him and he's having to stop her yeah. or grab, you know, grab her wrists or something like that. We'll never know. I yeah. mean, unless they have a camera in their house or apartment, wherever they were, and, and we could go and look and see what happened, we won't know. That's just the feeling I get. Mm-hmm. But as you were describing her her accomplishments and her behavior, how she just couldn't stop talking, how this and that. And I really was getting the, uh, the sense of like Ted Bundy, meaning that, that, that narcissistic personality that, that they can't not talk about themselves or, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Edmund Kemper, the co-ed killer. He just, um, couldn't shut up and just, just would go into it and into it and into it. And people like that, there's just, it hurts their ego if they can't get their story out. So I, I just kind of am pegging her as the narcissistic person. And it's like, honey, there's plenty of fish in that sea. Why are you fixed on this guy? If he doesn't want you and then to him, I'd be like, you know, stand up and just be like, it is over. You have to be more definitive. Yes. Every time you let her back in, that just tells her. That reinforces tells what her she's this doing. Is, it, the relationship never ended to her. It's mm-hmm. always been ongoing. There have been 
don't be patches, but they're meant to be, and it's going to happen no matter what you say. Nothing mm-hmm. that you, and then for him to finally do that, and on top of that, oh by the way, I have a date with this with this model. Yeah, pageant that, contestant uh, tonight. How to not break up with a psycho chick one hundred and one. Yeah, they found searches for that her, so she had had to have known about it. They found like Shana had been searching this this person. Oh, um, that would creep me out to be Miss Ohio and learn after the fact that he. Oh, that's really really yeah. creepy. What are your feelings on it? What do you think about her and him and the whole situation? There's so many points along the way where this could have been avoided. Yeah. That's the sad thing to me. And, of course, we have the benefit of hindsight. Always. But to them in the moment, they were just trying to get through day to day. And, I mean, he had some feelings for her. Otherwise, sure. you know, it, it, it can't be just somebody showing up at your house and screaming and crying and, okay, I'll let you stay. Um, but at the same time, she was, seemed to me very manipulative. Um, but every time he let her stay, every time, I mean, he was about to, to end it forever. Oh, but uh, by the way, come over to my family's house for dinner and stay the night in my condo. This whole thing is, is issues of boundaries Yeah, on both sides. Sure. She doesn't know where the line is, so she keeps. Getting in his space, getting in his space, and he can't form a line being like, you you come over, yeah, yeah, or here, just go ahead and stay. No, you have yeah. to, boundaries, that's the key word here, boundaries. Oh, by the way, new phone, who dis? Change <laughs> the number, move. You're a lawyer. Get a, get a restraining order or something, yeah. you know, file a motion. I don't know. Yeah. His dad said in one of the interviews, like, if this was, if, if he was my daughter and not son, we would have had a restraining order and whatnot. But he said, you know, somebody's got to learn these things. And he's a big guy, you know, six, four, 200 pounds or whatever it was. And he could take care of himself. He never in his wild streams imagined that this would happen. I mean, he's like, at some point, he's my son's going to have to figure this out. And finally, like, be nice. Don't be a turd. But she's got to go. I mean, this has to end, this cycle. It's interesting you, you mentioned about them hurting their ego when they're not talking. The prosecutor in one of these 48 hours, 2020 things mm-hmm. for the case, uh, for the first trial at least, I don't know if it was for both trials, but... She said as she was reviewing the footage, she said, I've never seen in my entire life somebody so desperate to tell her story to anyone who will listen. Mm-hmm. And it was desperation. And I felt like she was desperate because she felt like she had to get ahead of it. And if she got ahead of it and said it was self-defense, then, then now I'm the victim here. But yeah, it's it's interesting because she's saying, I'm the victim, I'm the victim. And then she's, she has to know that there's a video thing in the interrogation room, whether or not someone's in there going, I did it. That was me. I can't believe I did it. Oh, amazing grace. Da, 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 da. And just dancing around like, there's something, there's something going on there, deep in there that's, 
I yeah. I think with people like this, they think they're smarter than everybody else. That's that that's one of those traits of narcissism. Is, she knew exactly how this was all going to play out ahead of time. Of course. And I think it was also a case of um, if we can cut this out in a second. I think it was also a case of she, in her mind, if they were not going to be get it together and he was not going to be with anyone else. Sure. She owned them. Well, how many times have we seen that in history? Yeah. If, if I can't have them, no one can have them. Exactly. Is messed up. People, there are, I don't know how many billions of people on the earth now, but you can find someone else. You yeah. really, truly can. And get therapy. It's out there. It's available. Your employer will probably pay for it. <laughs> there are free things out there. Just get some help. Don't get so fixated on one thing or one person that it's just not healthy in it. Doesn't lead to good things. It leads to shootings and being on the news. Yes, and I would not. Yeah, you know, I. You mentioned that she was on Snapped, or this case was on Snapped. Mm-hmm. That almost seems that almost seems offensive, because it's not like in the moment she just did it. It seemed like this was building and building and building, That's... and it was just kind of that perfect thing. I don't think that snapped to me means someone literally like. Like the falling down movie with Michael Douglas. The falling down movie. Oh, you haven't seen that one? No. He's this businessman who's going through all this stuff, bad things happening. And he's like, all right, it's fine. And then he gets to this place. He's like, I don't know. He might have been fired or something. I don't know. I can't remember. It's been a long time. But he gets there and, and. the he just missed breakfast and he really wants breakfast and that was that was what finally made him snap okay so well no i have i don't know that reference sorry that's one of the ones i'll have to listen to but there just seems like you had said before there are many points along the way where this could have stopped mm-hmm. but it just kept going to me snapped is something that happens out of you know it's it's out of the ordinary, it's an extreme thing that happens. And out of character. Out of character. This seems like this was on a one-way street. Whether she was joking about it or not, she talked about it with a friend. That's prior. what I mean. Yeah, she and was making she jokes had to about have it. been thought about. Like, he, there's no way he's going to break up with me. I'll tell you what, I'll do if he breaks up with me. I'll give I him that nose job that he always wanted. Yeah, but I don't know. I can't be convinced either way if she planned when she went there to do that because even up prior up to like that day she was going to she was still sending him these lying text messages about about how, you know the doctor's giving me that medicine trying to set herself up as a victim to him a play for sympathy to him mm-hmm. and it's just my interpretation of it yeah it just seems that it would just kept building. So what do y'all think? That that will be a good thing to discuss. Do you think that she snapped all of a sudden, or do you think that she was kind of building to it? She had this planned out, like one of these days I'm going to do it? Not necessarily or... planned out. It doesn't even have to be that way. Just the fact that 
the, the lengths that she would go to to keep him kept getting more and more intense. Mm-hmm. What's the next step? Go more intense. If and she's it gets willing to, to a, a, B, and C, why wouldn't she do D? Yeah. You're finally, he's saying, this is the final straw. I'm done with you. That's, to me, the next law. I can't believe I'm saying that. No logical. The most, that's the next logical step in, in somebody's that's, mindset like that the, is the It's the next extreme, step in the progression, extreme, whether it's the, logical or not. Thank you. Thank you. I, I just sound, let's retract that. <laughs> it's not a logical step. Stricken from the record. Yes. It just, it's the next thing that if you put yourself, you try to put yourself in that, what would make someone do that? That's the next progression, the next step in my mind that seems like where it would have been easy for her to go there. So what do y'all think? Was she still trying to get back with him and something did actually snap or was it self-defense? Did she have any case? Is there any, any justification for having shot him that night? Or is this something she had planned out or thought about one of these days? If he tries to break up me, I'm just going to haul off. I'm getting that nose job. Let us know. You can leave your comments on Instagram at Children Thrilled Podcast. Also on our Facebook group at Children Thrilled Podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And we are also on the web www.childandthrilled.com. You don't need a W's on there. It's fine. I can't. If it's a website, I feel <laughs> like I have to say www. Um, www. At childrenthrill.com. And you can also send us your, um, what is it, recommendations and story ideas, things that you would like to right. see to our email account, which is childrenthrilledpodcast at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. That's right. I don't know why we said that together. That was so cute. I was starting to say, but you waited and then you joined me in saying it. Childrenthrilledpodcast at gmail.com. Children thrilled podcast at gmail.com. And leave us a review. We would love to have a review. We got a couple on there. Thank you so much for those. It means a lot to us just to see those and get that encouragement. Yes. But any other feedback, any suggestions, things we could do differently? We've already had a couple suggestions from listeners on things they'd like us to cover. But anything else you'd like us to try, let us know. We'll try to work it in. And we just appreciate all of you, and we can't wait till next week for our next story. So tune in with us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.